When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reading. Three points Reading. Oh, how I hope we can have a similar scoreline to that tomorrow. A lovely 3 1. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Welcome, everyone. It is the preview podcast. It is, of course, Oxford United tomorrow. It's the first time we have played Oxford in the league since 2001. I was just a wee, wee, wee little boy, and we haven't played them since 2004 when we played them in the league cup it's it's a bit of a generational game that and to bring a sort of generational flux we've pulled Paul Mann out of his retirement home Ooh. since the weekend I know he was on at the weekend but we pulled him out we're going to talk about the Oxford United game and kind of memories of Oxford United how are you doing Paul I'm good good the nurse is nearby and uh I might need it after the Oxford match but we'll see um I'm pretty nervous Matt what about you oh I mean it's it's one of those games which you would be relishing if you were up near the top of the table you know and if if relegation to a lower league had probably gone the way relegations to lower leagues normally do for Reading you might have a bit more confidence going into it maybe of a draw um you know or potentially a win but it's it's nerve-wracking it's an odd one though because I've never experienced a derby. I'd never experienced Swindon, you know, when, when we played Swindon earlier in uh, earlier in the season. I don't think anyone really knows how they'll feel until they kind of get to the stadium. Excitement is building, though. I have to say, I'm getting a bit more excited to see what it's going to be like, how the game's going to go, um, and obviously we know how good it felt against Swindon when we beat Swindon, even in you know the Bristol Street Motors Trophy or whatever it's called now. Um, so, um, so yeah, it, it's. I'm I'm excited. Um, I mean, Paul, how how do you feel? Because you've got the memories as well of previous games L- locked away yeah. somewhere in the annals of your, your your memory. They will be there, I'm sure. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere at the back. You know, I can I can remember like the olden days, but I can't remember what I did this morning. I'm reaching that age. You know how it is. You know, well, you don't. You'll get there though. I'm, I'm so getting there. Get yeah, some some listeners will understand how I'm feeling. Um. Uh, Nervous, looking forward to it. Um, just really grateful I'm not in Thames Valley Police uh, right now. <laughs> so that's my main overriding. They will be at alarm stations right now, bless them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they will be so ready for tomorrow night. But being serious about it, um, it's, yeah, it's hard to know, isn't it? Because it's so long since we've played them, 2001. Obviously, we've had years of being you know, leagues apart in a different class. And now it's switched around a little, isn't it? I mean, we're obviously in the mm-hmm. same league, but they're way above us. We all know why that is, but we're not going to get dragged into that. But it's Oxford. It's a local rivalry. It's something a whole generation of fans haven't had. And I am really looking forward to it. Um, after 10 minutes, I might not be, but it's there, isn't it? You want that local rivalry as a fan. And we've missed it so much. So I say bring it on. 
Yeah, no, well, well, well it's like, like, obviously, before Wickham, people were kind of bigging that up as a derby. And realistically, that's just not yet. It might turn out to be if we stay in League One for five years or whatever, or, you know, we go up to the championship, so do they, and we play each other for, you know, a few a few games, it might brew. It might brew. But, you know, this is the game, you know, really for, for, for Reading fans as well. Actually, would you rate Oxford above Swindon or is Swindon above Oxford? In I don't rate either league. of them, but I would like to say that as a derby, <laughs> yes. Yeah, Oxford is the bigger one for me. Um, other people may disagree well, with I, that. I, 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 mean, I thoroughly enjoyed beating Swindon. I don't care if they were playing their under fives. We still beat them 5-0, so... I would I would have thought Swindon would have been the bigger one um, personally, which is interesting. We might have to do a poll. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, there were some people listening to this. You remember us playing against uh, Jan Fjortov and all that kind of stuff, and Stuart Lovell and to imitate uh, imitating his um, uh, kind of like a goal celebration when he scored a hat trick in '95. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, Oxford for me is the bigger one. Yeah, fair enough. Um, well, when we last played them. We're actually on a run of five consecutive wins, which I don't want to recreate Talk Reading at the weekend. That is the run of, of 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 fixtures, though. It was a long time ago, so not many of those, none of those players are still playing football now. Um, but well, when they say so, a stat's not relevant, that really isn't oh, relevant. That, that, now, but, is it? <laughs> I'm trying to scrape at things that we can kind of say, yes, you know, we're we, we're still good in that respect when we look back at. at 1918 or something you know um <laughs> what what's what's your memories though of, of, of Oxford? uh well my first memory of watching us play oxford united was in the second round of the simod cup and i don't know how many people was there maybe two three thousand i don't know was that sure 1998 yeah 1988 and dean horrocks you know absolutely fantastic player for us sadly died not that long after um scored the goal um mm. really I really didn't mean I would have only been 12. No, I would have been 11 years old. No, 12 years old at that point. So, yeah, I started to understand it. And it was only when I was there, I was kind of like getting a little bit of the vibe that that's something I wouldn't have said in 1988 was the word vibe. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, understanding of uh, how much of a rivalry there was. Because at that point, Oxford were, you know, flying high in the first division as it was. Uh, so, yeah, that's one of my memories. Also, I mean, there will be people definitely who remember the game against them at the Medeski Stadium, the 4-3, when Anthony, Anthony Rougier scored two goals in his golden 10 minutes or so and a horrendous rain. Such a bizarre ma- match. Phil Whitehead keeping the ball in when there was really no need and Oxford just having to tap the ball in. But I listened to that uh, yesterday. And I said, oh, it's like, you know, their record fee or like, you know, paid a big fee, 325,000 as it was. And I thought, oh, that's not much. I thought, oh, I pine for the day when we could pay that much money for any player. (laughs) Just just one, you know, just just one transfer fee like that. It would be. But yeah, as I remember the game, the Oxford United won, obviously at the Medeski, much later on, 2001, I think. that was much bigger. And as I felt, um, I felt the atmosphere, you could feel it going up to the ground. I was obviously much older by this point and I got it completely. I was so happy when we won that game. And tomorrow, if we do win that game, you'll, you'll begin to understand it. You'll understand it when you're in the stadium, you totally will walking up there. Uh, you'll get it. Um, it was like that against Swindon, wasn't it? 
Oh yeah, no, because well, like, I like I remember going to the Swindon game. I, I wasn't really knowing what to what to expect, but as I kind of said after that game, it was the first game I'd actually walked to where I was a little bit nervous of kind of the way where I was walking and you know uh, some some of the stuff that happened pre-game. You know, I was I, I had walked around and you just look at you think, oh blimey, but yeah, you know, it's um when when you get there, you've got the atmosphere, then then you really understand what it's like, and I think like you know some i guess you know some of the older generation will remember as well but you know for the young younger generation you know a bit like myself it sounds weird saying younger generation when i'm 26 but like you know it's um yeah it's it 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 won't take long i don't think to come back um you know so but uh but but we'll see we haven't had a transfer between the two clubs in 30 years not for a first team player there's been a few that I think have been in the academies where I think there's Jordan Abita. I think maybe Alex Pierce. I know who was born in Oxford. Is that permanent? Because so, I know we've had some some loans have gone either way because Sam Smith went yes, on loan. But we haven't had one to us that's come to us um, oh, in 30 right. years. Yeah. Well, no one wants Oxford players, do they? So. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to get drawn into this yet because it's going to be so clip, clipped up and put out otherwise. So uh, oh, we will. will see. It will. You know, secretly deep <laughs> down, your we'll like Ruben Rodriguez. Like, yes, I would. <laughs> you know, this is a first league match. So as much as the like pizza trophy was fun, mm. this one actually has points on it. It does. It does. You know, and if we can get a win, it will kind of bounce us back. It's a big game for both teams, really, because I mean, Oxford have got, you know, Des Buckingham come in. He's not won a game since, well, not won a league game since he's joined. He's played three, three league games, lost two, drawn one. And obviously following the Barnsley game. I mean, Paul, what are your expectations for the game, you know, following the weekend? Oh, I can only go for a red and win. I don't care if it's um, a blind faith. I, I will never go for anything else against Oxford or Swindon. No. And I will go for a 3-1 Reading. I don't care if it's not logical. It's what I'm going for. Well, it sort of lines up with my prediction that I gave at the end of the podcast. Um, please do stick around for that because we've got George El- um, Alec now from the Not The Top 20 podcast, the one Reading FC Twitter nemesis. Um, trust me, do stick around. It's a fantastic um, half of the podcast. Not saying it just because obviously um, I hosted it, but please do stick around for it. Um, Paul, thank you so much, obviously, for joining us for this part one. Enjoy tomorrow. Um, fingers crossed we'll be discussing a win um, on Wednesday as well. Um, but we are going to hop over now to the view from the opposition. Have a look at Oxford United. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to part two of the Elm Park Royals preview podcast, of course, brought to you by Phantom Brew Co. We have now flipped on to... The other side of the fence, we are previewing the nemesis, the opposition. I'll probably big that up a little bit, but we are having a look at Oxford United now. Cue boos and all sound effects and everything. Um, and to do so, we have got George Elk from the Not The Top 20 podcast. How are you doing, George? I'm good. Thank you, mate. Yeah, well, very good. Looking forward to the game on Tuesday night. Good, good. Yes, I think there's a uh, well probably more dread i think from reading side from the reading side of the fence given league positions but i think there might be a small amount of hope and we'll probably dive into it a little bit um but um but yeah kind of looking back on oxford united and kind of the reading oxford thames valley derby didcot triangle two-thirds of it whatever you want to call it 
what does what does this derby kind of mean for for you and kind of Oxford fans? It's really difficult to answer that because I think there's a massive generational thing about this derby where I think you know, I'm I'm 33 years old. I've been to one or two of these games previously. Even back then, you know, I think it was it was definitely known that Swindon was were the arch enemies and, and Reading came next. You know, when we when we're building bonfires, we're putting um Swindon on, on top and Reading in the middle. Um but it's um uh, so for, for I think people younger than me who haven't been to these games before, that they're probably it's quite hard to understand what the rivalry is. Having said that, there are definitely there's definitely an older generation of fan who would see Reading possibly even on a par with Swindon in terms of our rivalry. So in that sense, I think it, it shifts massively. For me personally, it's quite interesting because um, hopefully not too many of your listeners listen to our podcast because I, I've made myself unpopular in the past amongst Reading fans um, in pre-season predictions, mainly in the championship, where we, I think for like five seasons in a row, had Reading getting relegated in, in some respect. And the um, reply from Reading fans was always, He's just an Oxford fan, you know. He's just he's just a salty Oxford fan who's got us in the relegation because he hates us. And I'd always reply, being like, "I don't hate you. I really don't hate you. Like I, I promise, I hate Swindon. Like I, I wouldn't become on a Swindon well, podcast." On those predictions, um, you were right or nearly right most of the time. Eventually, so, mm, yeah, yeah, we got there in the end. So um, I'm really looking forward to the game. It's it's obviously got more spice. Mm. I also think, given that you know that there was a period of time where. Reading were a Premier League side, not through a National League side. Um, and I actually did a podcast this morning on um, on the uh, on, on the BBC Radio Oxford pod that I do. And um, one of the guys there reminded me that apparently last time you played, all of kind of your fans and the, the players in front were singing, "We're never going to play you again." So I guess there's something nice that kind of full circle for us that we get to play you in the league again. You know, we are lofty. You guys are down towards the bottom end. We've you know lost five of these games in a row. I think it is so. In that respect, I think a lot of fans would like to to, to put one over on you. But I'm not going to sit here and lie and pretend that this has the same meaning to me as a as the, yeah. the A420 derby. Yes, yeah. Well, no, it's, it's it's interesting you mentioned the song about Swindon because Reading have got the exact same song as well. And and Oxford <laughs> yeah. I think go in the middle on that. It's yeah, it's um, it, it's it's not well. We played Oxford obviously earlier, not Oxford Swindon. Sorry, earlier in the season in the um, uh, what's it called now? The Bristol Street motors trophy mm. um yeah there was um quite a bit of confrontation there because obviously we haven't played them in seemingly forever 20 years or so so um yeah but looking at kind of your experience of of games we spoke before i'll be honest i've never been to a oxford game i've never been to a um, swindon or reading oxford or reading swindon game either what's what's probably your your memories of of the games i mean i was young i went to the um Medeski for a game in the year 2000 so i'd have been mm. nine and it was 4-3. You beat us 4-3. And I, I, I can remember, I remember my dad falling over, leaving the stadium. It's kind of my, my overriding memory, which doesn't tell you too much about the game. But I also remember Steve Antrobus, who was one of the worst players probably to ever play for Oxford, who played up front for us, missing a, a massive opportunity at 3 all before Tony Rougier scored his, his second of the game to make it 4-3. So um, I remember that. I remember playing you guys in that game, I think, which ended up with all the, you know, the, the singing, we'll never play you again. Um where we were beaten at home um, in the League Cup second round. Uh, again, you know, 
I don't remember a great deal of the game. I just remember us being by far the, the worst side. You know, your, your goals came from John Salako, Nicky Forster and James Harper, whereas ours were from Louis, which maybe tells you a fair bit about where the two teams were at, at that stage. So, yeah, I, I don't remember loads. I, I'm really looking forward to it. And like, I think it's going to be a um, a good occasion. I, I don't know. You can tell me. I mean, our, our, obviously, because this is a, a rearranged game, Mm. Our tickets sold very fast for the first game, and the tickets have just come over. But I mean, what kind of an attendance can we expect from the home fans tomorrow night? Um, this this has split a lot of opinions um, because Reading FC haven't pushed the game at all, um, which is very very odd. A lot of fans mm. have kind of been very um, uh, unhappy with that, given it's you know the first game between the two or league fixture between the two. But with all the rumblings going on behind the club. There's a lot of yeah. things, obviously, with with protests that have gone on, and people might think that you know they don't want a high attendance, etc. But yeah, it, I you might get to fifteen thousand, maybe. I think, uh, but that's going to be more because of the I think the away fans. Um, I think that's going to be the very top. I think realistically, fourteen or so thousand, which is a real shame, yeah. really. I think for 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 the first derby for a while, but it's I guess it's you know a bit of a show of kind of where the club is so many fans are frustrated kind of um finished i think really with with so much that has gone on and everything with the ownership and all that stuff so but um but yeah hopefully there's a there's a surge of late tickets and we get a good attendance and a good atmosphere um because obviously it should be a very very um good game or good occasion um so looking looking at Oxford this season and kind of following on from from last season, um, Carl Robinson last season, he'd been at Oxford for for a couple of seasons. It had all started to tail off. He had a couple of flirtations with with the playoffs, but then last season it kind of dropped away. Liam Manning took over, got you to I think it was around nineteenth or so um, in the table. And um, I like I to be honest, most of you are not the top twenty podcasts. Um, predictions previously I've kind of agreed with when you put Reading down near the bottom I was listening with intent obviously for your one this year with uh, the the prediction mostly of Oxford and you had them (laughs) up in third and I have to say I was thinking what on earth is George taking at the moment because because I was thinking well how can you move them from there to there again you turn out to be right at the start of the season with 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 uh, with um uh, Liam Manning in charge. What what was Liam Manning like as a manager? What did he do with Oxford this year at the start of the year that just clicked? I, I think part of it was not necessarily just about Manning, but also how bad things had got under Carl. Um, mm. And that is, you know, I, I've got a a lot of our fan base um, don't have much time for Carl Robinson now, but you know, I've, I've interviewed him. He's been great with me. We had some incredible, incredible times under him, um, including a playoff final, which sadly none of us could go to because it was during lockdown. We were beaten by Wickham. So he did some great things as our manager. However, the fact that he was able to stay as long as he was um, by the end of his tenure was was ridiculous because last season he performed incredibly poorly. You know, by his own admission, the summer transfer window before that was a total and utter disaster. So, um, and things got very toxic between the fan base, and it felt like even with the players, you know, it all ended with Cameron Brannigan basically refusing to stand by Carl Robinson after a three 0 defeat to Bristol Rovers, and you could just see then that it was done. But I think most clubs would have would have made the decision to change manager months, not weeks before. So Liam Manning came in and. 
realistically had the bones of a squad that was way better than, than the league finish last season. You know, a lot of players in this team are the same as the players who, who Kai Robinson had, you know, Brannigan and McGrain in the field, Elliot Moore at centre-back. Um, there's a lot of players in there who are, are quality League One players. So he didn't have to do much. I was also a massive fan of his MK Don's team. Um, and then you look at the recruitment in the summer, you know, Ruben Rodriguez has been the main player that's come in, but loads of really solid, astute signings were made, coupled with the fact that this season's League One, to me, looked like it was a far weaker renewal than, than what we'd seen, especially last season, but in previous seasons. So, um, yeah, it looked all right. And then Liam decided to jump ship and go to Bristol City, which means that the prediction of third might, might if I could <laughs> do it again now, it, it might be sixth. <laughs> In in fairness, you were right at the time and had things have continued, you probably would be looking up there. Um, you might still, to be fair as well. But as you say, Manning departed um, Bristol City following Nigel Pearson um, be, being sacked from from um, from Bristol City. What was what was the reaction of of the fan base? Because obviously he'd not been with you guys for massively long, you know, even for manager standards, you know kind of uh, what was it it was march till november so kind, kind mm. of you know seven eight months really what what was the reaction really of the fan base and the feeling at that time when he when he departed i think most people just use a snake emoji now when they talk about liam manning on yeah. uh, oxford whatsapp groups and twitter but it's you know from my point of view i can understand why you know he was a manager who in his first campaign in english football took mk dons to third in league one didn't cash in probably when he had opportunities to do so in, in that summer and then found himself sacked in October. Like foot, football is very, very fickle. And I think if you're Liam Manning and you've been through that already, you're probably going to think about an opportunity like Bristol City pretty hard when it comes along, regardless of of having to um, sever ties and regardless of upsetting people at, at Oxford, which he definitely did. So I think there's there's been a bit of revisionism now as well with a lot of Oxford fans kind of trying to say that it was that Manning didn't do an amazing job. And, you know, it was where he did, you know, we, we were... I was at Derby away where we played them off the park and beat them. We beat Barnsley away very comfortably. Um, he wasn't the most, or he isn't the most charismatic man. So in that, in that sense, I think there wasn't the emotional tie-in that you get between some fan bases and managers when they really buy into the personality. That didn't happen. But, you know, I think we were all jilted lovers uh, immediately afterwards. Um, but I think we're, well, we certainly were pretty happy with the man that came in, but it's been a difficult start. Yeah, well, kind of, Left, left you guys, you were sat second in the table at the time, three points behind Portsmouth, three above Bolton in third. I think they had a game in hand at the time. Since then, um, you had Craig Short in charge for one game, I think, or one league game. It was the game against Leighton Orient, which he won. And since then, there's Buckingham. Um, not a name many people probably would have known, maybe outside the Oxford circles, because obviously I think he started his coaching career really at Oxford under Chris Wilder, um, brought through some, some, some of the younger players and really helped you guys in the mid tens really around that side but give us a bit of insight into there's there's buckingham really as a as a person as a manager um yeah he's someone with a real affinity to oxford united you know he's an oxford fan interestingly i think he's actually his first um club as a player as a um, as a goalkeeper was Reading. He was a Reading, Reading yes. youth team player. Yeah, in the youth academy. And then, and yes. <laughs> and then moved to Oxford when he was seventeen. But you know, he, he grew mm. up in Cowley. He says he used to his his nan had a had a, a season ticket and he used to ride to the manor on the back of her scooter. You know, he's a proper Oxford boy who who came through the as you say the coaching ranks at Oxford. But he since then uh, he went and coached out in New Zealand for a while. He was then picked up by the City Football Group, where he was assistant manager in, in Melbourne City when they won the A League. He was then appointed manager of Mumbai City, 
his first managerial job, spent two and a half years there of kind of sweeping the board's success. Um, and he's come home. He's come back to Oxford where, um, you know, the, the club he supports. And you know, even when he arrived at the from the airport, he said that he knit back to his dad's house for a shower before going to the press conference. You know, that's how local he is. Um, and things haven't started great. Like there's, there's no denying that. I, I feel a little bit sorry for him in that you know, he came into a side for coming second. But, you know, if like me, you look at the underlying numbers and you look at the data points and stuff, kind of performance metrics, Oxford were one of the big outliers in the whole league where we were overperforming our expected goals for by 10 goals because we were scoring a lot of long-range goals and being very clinical. So for him coming into a side doing that, maybe the regression was always going to come and he's having to oversee that regression now and the fingers kind of being pointed at him. Uh, part of it as well is that two of the three games we've played have been against Peterborough and Bolton, who I think might be the two best teams in the league alongside uh, Pompey. So the fixtures haven't been great. We haven't scored a goal yet performances haven't been great although I was at the Bolton game where we were good for the first hour the better side for the first hour so the interesting part about Tuesday night is you know Cheltenham is the first game which I think a lot of people expected us to win but under Daryl Clark they're doing okay now as as Reading fans will will definitely know because I think they were seen probably as being one team who were down and they're they're no longer down Um, but this so that's why Tuesday night has a really you know it's yes it's a derby yes there'll be a lot of Oxford fans there wanting to win it mainly for that reason, but way more so than than had we still been finished coming second and Liam Manning was still in charge. This is a huge game for Des Buckingham and Oxford United where a win here, the poor start is forgotten. We're away, momentum starts rolling again. A defeat and four defeats on the bounce, then he's going to come under some, some early criticism, having been welcomed back a hero when he first joined the club. Hmm. It's it's interesting that that's the narrative from kind of the the Oxford side because it's similar really from the Reading side. You know, with with with, with everything that that's going on. You know, a couple of weeks ago, everyone was kind of, I guess, you know, feeling a little, little bit better. We got our first away win at Wickham. Um, you know, and that that was followed up by a um, really really comfortable win against Carlisle five one. Everyone started to think, is things starting to tick? We've always been very close, seemingly under Ruben Sellers, but little mistakes and everything have just pulled everything apart you know um catastrophic mistakes seemingly which you're going to get with you know a young team and that but since that Carlisle game it's almost been back to the drawing board loss loss away to Eastley loss in um at the weekend to Barnsley um a game again that was very close but um but but yeah it's kind of it's one of those games that you might look at and kind of think actually actually do you think a draw would be bad for Oxford then saying what what you've said about Des Buckingham. It's hard to say. I personally don't necessarily think it would be a bad result, but mm. I think the perception is, is that it would be a bad result. Yeah. Like yeah. I, you know, I, I've been saying all season, I know that I've seen a fair few Reading fans question Ruben Sellers' management of, of, of the club so far this season. I, I think he's doing a very good job. You know, I know there are quality players in the side. I think the return of Nibs and um, Smith from injury has, has coincided with a real upturn in terms of performance level. It's just, it's having a really soft centre where Reading have five really young players playing in really important positions in the team. And therefore, mm-hmm. there is clearly an inability to hold on to leads. When I mean, you've got two centre-backs at the, the age of your two centre-backs, but not that many minutes behind them, it's not surprising. Um, when you When you consider... Reading's form this season at nil-nil it's really impressive it's really good you've often been the better team at nil-nil it's only when ahead suddenly there's a bit of a nosebleed you think how are we going to hold on to this lead and maybe Sellers' style of play you know the high press doesn't help that um but I you know I, I'm of the mind and especially when you consider the points deductions as well like I, I think um 
Reading are quite clearly better than the league position, but I think they might be better than their league position would be if it wasn't for the deductions as well. Um, it's just, you know, we, we saw it with Barnsley on on Saturday, you know, Reading go ahead, having missed a chance of nil-nil before that too. And then as soon as Barnsley get back in the game through a penalty and Devante Cole scores from 25 yards with an incredible strike, the heads go down and, and Barnsley are by far the dominant force from there on in. Yeah, no, it's um, it's 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 a frustrating one being a Reading fan. It's just there's so many circumstantial stuff that has uh, caused that. But looking really then at Oxford, you've mentioned a couple of the players at the moment. I know one player you're a massive fan of is Ruben Rodriguez as well in this in 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 this uh, team. Spoken about in quite a bit, obviously on the uh, not the top twenty podcast, and especially in recent well before his red card. Anyway, a couple of weeks back, <laughs> yeah. Um, Who's really those key players, though, for, for for you guys? Again, mentioned Cameron Brannigan. Are they really the two? Billy Bowden as well in that front line has been fantastic. Yeah, I would say James Beadle in goal is um, someone who, I mean, he'll be a Premier League goalkeeper very soon. Like, he's on loan from Brighton. He's one of those, like, England youth. He plays, starts from under, under under 19s. He's on loan. Like, he's... His shot stopping is too good. Like if 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 for, for the league, if he um if he wasn't there on Saturday against Peterborough, would have been beaten five or six. Uh, I would say Rodriguez is very good, but he went off with a dead leg or some kind of a, an impact injury, so it's not one hundred percent sure that he'll be playing here. Cameron Brannigan is is clearly kind of the 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 talisman, um, the player that everyone turns to, um, and Marcus McGuane has also been magnificent this season too. But the the, the kind of player that I would maybe say to look out for, and this might be a surprise, is arguably one of Oxford's worst ever signings, and that's Josh Murphy, who who came to this came to the club eighteen months ago, with Carl Robinson saying he was going to be the best player in the whole division, and understandably so when you consider where he's played in the past, and he was terrible last season. Like he he was injured a lot when he played, he looked off it, and for the most part of the season he's been in and out of the side, but in the last two or three weeks, three or four weeks, he's like a completely different player. And he, he didn't start the game on Saturday to, to everyone's surprise. I mean, had been man of the match in the two previous in the cup. Um, and he came off a half, came in at half time and for 15, 20 minutes, we had them pinned back, pinned back and he was the reason for that. He will definitely start on Tuesday for the first time we're starting to see the Premier League quality that we were told we were going to get. And it's a huge game for him as well. So, in my mind, this is kind of the Josh Murphy game where this is where he's going to be his opportunity in a huge, in, on the biggest game where, interestingly, when he first kind of came to the side after his injury last season, he came on against uh, Sheffield Wednesday away and we were drawing 0-0 and we got a penalty in the last minute and Murphy grabbed the ball and missed the penalty. And I do wonder if if, we'd sco- if he had scored that penalty, could it be a very different uh, case for him in Oxford? Tomorrow night, he'll be starting from the beginning. There'll be nowhere to hide. And yeah, this is where he can he can either make or break his time at the club. We might almost have one of those point to prove kind of uh, games because I think before he joined you, he'd spent the preseason at Reading um, yeah, on trial. Yeah. Um, and mm. that might have been maybe why he had such a bad start to um, his time at Oxford because he still had those <laughs> Paul Ince, whatever it would have been <laughs> in his head from last season. And yeah, God, the less said about that, the better. But let's yes, not go uh, there. Yeah. yeah, let's. Uh, absolute rabbit hole. It's, yeah, don't want to go down there. Mm. <laughs> um, so. If you could pick one player out, Josh Murphy being that person, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. don't think he's our best player, but I think I think mm. Ruben Rodriguez will be one to watch if he does start. If he is fit, he's very good. Um, I think McGuane is someone who I'm not sure the league has woken up to quite how good he is as well. Um, mm. But yeah, 
Murphy's the one who I think all all Oxford eyes will be on tomorrow because it's a it's a massive night in his career, frankly. Mm-hmm. And if you could kind of predict what well what will happen with Oxford for the rest of the season, you might say I guess a lot rests on tomorrow and how things go um, from there. But what is the objective from Oxford from the Oxford side of the fence? Is it getting back to pushing for top two or top six? I think uh, yeah, I think if we don't finish in the top six, it'll be a bit of a disaster after the start. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we have very wealthy, ambitious owners who are building, trying to build a new stadium for three years' time. Part of that plan They're is building to be sustainable. four stands this time. Yes, four they stands. Are. Well, I mean, to be honest, the Kassam Stadium is meant to be built with four stands, and it wasn't. So you know, until it's up, I can't I can't confirm it for you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so and, and their plan is, is basically to get Oxford being a sustainable championship club, not necessarily next season, but 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 fairly soon. So yeah, I mean, we're not one of those clubs who kind of feel like we're we're, we're a placeholder at the top end of the table. Like the, the ambition is there, and I, and I think the budget is there. Like I think Oxford's budget is is quite sneaky big, and I'm sure we'll go again in January in terms of trying to recruit because we've only got one striker at the moment, which isn't ideal, especially he doesn't really score any goals. Um, so yeah, I. I I think minimum top six, but the aim is promotion, whether that's through the playoffs or, or through the top two. Fair enough. And score prediction for tomorrow. We've touched on it kind of, a, or skirted around it a little bit, talking about draws and stuff, but what what are you going to go for? Um, I'm going to go 2-2 two, two draw. Don't let Oxford fans see this. 2-2. Two, mm. two. Well, I've for about the past 10 episodes i've been well, probably longer than 10 episodes actually i've been predicting losses <laughs> because i've not been able to see a reading loss i can't pull myself to say another reading loss especially against oxford um to be honest they don't really matter predictions do they so let's no three nil reading sam smith to oh get the wouldn't that be fantastic formerly <laughs> on loan at oxford from reading and with somehow a bit of beef i think with oxford fans which from well, he... previous he basically there was a tribute to Joey Beecham before the Cambridge game, and then he scored really early in the game, and then went crazy in front of our fans. And everyone was like, ah. "Read the room." He apologised afterwards. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, hopefully, there's not any kind of animosity or kind of stuff <laughs> that goes on on the side of that. But yes, well, it it should hopefully be a brilliant occasion. It's the first one, obviously, for 21 years. Um, mm. So, um, so yeah. So, George, are you going to be there? Are you going to be there? I'll be there. Watching? I'll be there. Yeah, in the away end. Fantastic. Well, safe travels um, there. Thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, if you've not listened to Not The Top 20, fantastic podcast. Go give it a listen. Um, you can get all of your, if you want to listen into the championship and reminisce on five um previous years you can do but you know you might want to just skip to league one or so if that's what you want to get up to date with but go give it a listen it's a fantastic podcast so thank you so much for joining us today george cheers matt thank you and obviously if you have enjoyed the podcast give us a five star rating um, on your podcast of choice give us a like on our socials to keep up to date obviously with all of our um, upcoming podcasts news etc it really doesn't go unnoticed um and finally stay safe tomorrow don't do anything stupid you know we, we it'd be great to see a great game between the two teams just go and enjoy the game um and don't do anything silly and uh, we will be back with a review of the game on Wednesday. So until next time, I've been Matt Lansley. This has been the Preview Podcast, and we'll catch you on the next one.